Good morning. Good morning. Thank you so much for joining me. This is the podcast God's Holy Word. I am your lovely host Leslie Sullivan, and today is episode 48, and we are going to take a look at Psalm 33. We're going to look at a couple of verses there, but first of all, let me give a big shout out to my listeners because I am amazed at how many people are listening in. This is wonderful. It just really warms my heart. So let me give a big shout out to you guys. So a big shout out to Texas, Oklahoma, Virginia, California, Nevada, Pennsylvania, Ohio, West Virginia, Florida, Massachusetts, Tennessee, Georgia, North Carolina, New Mexico, Maryland, Illinois, Oregon, Missouri, Wyoming, Washington, New Hampshire, New York, Indiana, Utah, New Jersey, Ontario, Minnesota, Rhode Island, Arkansas, Connecticut, Colorado, Michigan, Hawaii, Iowa, Nebraska, Alabama and Kentucky. In terms of countries, the United States, the Russian Federation, Ireland, Senegal, Namibia, Australia, Canada, India, New Zealand and Germany. This is amazing. I just am so amazed that so many people are listening in. I just think it's a wonderful thing. So this is a just a wonderful thing to see. I don't know how else to describe it, but God is good and I can see that there's a movement um for for the Lord. There's a movement that people are wanting Jesus in their life and they want a better life. So this is wonderful and all over the planet, right? This is great. Cuz sometimes when people think of Christians, they just think of the United States. Well, obviously that idea is wrong because obviously we have Christians all over the planet. We have we have Christians all over the world. And we just listed off several countries here. So this is really neat. I never would have thought my podcast would be listened to in the Russian Federation, Ireland, Senegal, or India, or New Zealand or Germany. Now some of the others I'm not surprised. You know, I just thought this was going to be in the United States. But obviously there are people that they love God's holy word, they want to hear the good news and they they also want to know how to get through their hardship. And even though we have hardships, God can handle those and he's the only one that can get us through the valley of death. Cuz sometimes our situations seem so tough we get stuck. Well, we're not supposed to pitch a tent in our valley of death. We're supposed to walk through it, just like the Israelites walked through the wilderness. They did get to their promised land. They did. So, in fact, each and every single one of us is well on our way to our promised land. So, we need to keep going. We need to keep keep pushing through and keep focusing on the goodness of God, because that's really the only way we are going to get to our promised land. And what's interesting is that when we focus on God, our lives are better, things are easier. So I say why not go for the best and the best is God's best. So we should focus on that. But I'm going to be reading Psalm 33. It's going to be verses 21 and 22, and I'm reading from the TLB version. And this is really interesting. It says, "No wonder we are happy in the Lord, for we are trusting him. We trust his holy name. Yes, Lord, let your constant love surround us." for our hopes are in you alone. I love this. I was a little taken aback by the first verse when I read it cuz it said no wonder we are happy in the Lord, meaning it should be obvious why we are happy in the Lord. And then it made me wonder, you know, if I'm not happy, why am I not happy? Because if I believe in God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, 
I should be happy because I know that if, if God be for me, who dare be against me? If Christ be for me, who dare be against me? If the Holy Spirit be for me, who dare be against me? So if we are not already happy, and I don't mean this happy, peppy, cheerleader, throw your pom-poms in the air kind of happy. I'm not talking about that because that's fake. We all know that cheerleaders eventually have to put their pom-poms down and face the real world and realize that it it's not all about them in a football game and wearing the fancy glitter eye makeup and all that stuff and i'm not against cheerleaders or glitter eye makeup although their uniforms are very much inappropriate these days in the united states but here's the thing at some point you have to acknowledge your reality i feel like sometimes people they go to spectator sports a lot or they overfocus on on other things because they don't want to focus on their life they don't want to acknowledge what's going on in their world so they're trying to escape reality and i'm not against sports you know there are many sports that i very much enjoy but what i've learned is that you cannot run from your problems it's better to address them right away you know you'll be a king david go right up to your goliath and take him out And the only way you can take out your Goliath is with God's holy will and his holy word. Because we cannot do it on our own. And sometimes that that brings us uncertainty and a little bit of misery. But you see, that's the lie of the enemy. The enemy will say, "Oh, look, you can't handle handle it yourself. You have to have God help you." You might as well just say, "Yeah, I do." And guess what? He defeated you and he threw you into the pit of hell. In fact, the pit of hell was created for you, Satan. See, we need to stop believing the lies of the enemy. The enemy will say, "Look, you're weak, you can't handle it. Oh, look, you're going to have to go to your heavenly father. What does he care about you?" Or he might say things like, "You know, if you can't handle it on your own, then you don't have enough faith." That's not true. See the enemy he 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 tries to wrap his wicked tentacles around our brain and it just nudges us on things that we are sensitive to. You know like when someone pokes a button on you that it's like, "Oh, that hit a nerve." See the enemy he he tries to poke us where we hurt the most. What's interesting is that God never does that. God doesn't poke us, he heals us. So being that we know that God is good and the devil is bad, we should always be happy in the Lord. We should never allow misery, sorrow, anger, wrath, rage, whatever the case may be, we should never allow that to dominate in our life because you know, anger belongs to the Lord. Can we get angry? Yes, but there's a difference between getting angry and staying angry. See vengeance is at ours. It belongs to God. Let the Lord fight your battles. Because see here's the thing. Excuse me. There's only so much energy and strength that you and I have as human beings. At some point your energy is going to be depleted. There's only so much Red Bull you can drink. There's only so much Gatorade you can drink and there's only so many hours of the day that you can operate at full throttle and be completely alert. The human body wasn't made to do fight or flight 24 hours a day every day a week, 7 days a week, 52 weeks a year. We were not made that way. 
you know, we are not machines. So being that we are not machines and God gave us free will, we should recognize that we have free will to be happy in the Lord. And that's where he wants us to be. That's what he wants us to have. Because you cannot find happiness in misery. It just doesn't exist. Misery can sometimes make us uncomfortable. I'm sorry, excuse me, comfortable. But what we don't realize is that sometimes misery it makes us comfortable in a miserable kind of way because that's all we've ever known. For example, have you ever had to break up with someone that you knew was not good for you? But yet you still had feelings for them. You still wanted to be around them. You know, there were other things that you liked about them, but you knew that they were not a good person to date or marry or stay married to. So you had to leave them. Here's the thing, sometimes it's hard to walk away from misery. But the more we focus on God, the more quickly we are to walk away from misery and go towards Christ and go towards happiness. Believe what God says about you, not what your situation says about you. Believe what God says about you. It's very important. Goes on to say for we are trusting him. I love that word trusting. Who are we trusting? You know what's interesting is that, you know, I do a lot of business with different people. And, you know, it's just the nature of my job. I work in accounting and I also I used to be a licensed insurance agent. I'm not I'm not doing that anymore because it wasn't bringing me happiness. And I thought, you know, I need to focus on something else because it I think it's a really tough industry and I definitely learned a lot, but it just wasn't making me happy being being an insurance agent. I mean, it's definitely good education, but it wasn't drawing me closer to Christ. It was pulling me away from Christ because it was always like do more, do more, do more, sell, sell, sell. And it's like I'm really good at sales. I'm very good at it because I focus on the customer like I focus on the actual individual client. I'm not focused on the money. I know that if I take care of my client, I will make money. But unfortunately, there are certain industries like in health insurance or insurance agencies that it's it's just a revolving door of it's almost like selling cars. It's like once you sell this policy or this car, it's never enough for your manager. Because there's a lot of greed that takes place. And that's very unfortunate. And I'm not saying that all insurance companies are bad or or that's how it is across the board. It's just that I personally did not enjoy um the industry. So I walked away from that. See cuz here's the thing, if you are putting your your trust in your job, you're going to be miserable. If you put your trust in your income, you're going to be miserable because you know, say you lose your job or you're not making making as much money. Well, guess what? Your your faith and assurance and your courage and your confidence goes down tremendously and in fact it gets depleted because you put your trust in something that you were never supposed to put your trust in. We were only supposed to put our trust in God. And that's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. If we put our trust in anything else outside of that, we are going to be greatly disappointed. Like for example, if you put your trust in your representative or your senators or your your city council, guess what? People make mistakes. 
Sometimes people don't do what you want them to do. That that's just how this world is sometimes. But what will help us is if we first of all put our faith and trust in God and then we pray for our leaders. We pray for people that we elect to office. Then it takes us off the hook of having these excessively high expectations of another human being. That doesn't mean that we settle for less than God's best, not by any means. And that doesn't mean that we don't hold them accountable for any and all bad behavior, such as embezzlement or fraud or, you know, whatever the case may be. But here's the thing: when we put our faith and our trust in God, we're not making someone else our God. Whenever we raise someone up to to the level of honor and glory. such as like to the level of our heavenly father or maybe it's not even as far up as that level but if you're pushing someone up in your mind as being that high of a value or that high of an honor to you you have totally missed the point unfortunately and you may have good intentions and you may be in awe of this person I'll give an example you know president putin he has a lot of his citizens fooled you know there was a video i saw where his citizens actually believe that Putin discovered some I don't know if it's an antique or something from from like way long time ago like he supposedly went out on this expedition and he has a film crew there which of course says it's set up he supposedly helps these divers all on his own find these artifacts or whatever ancient artifacts and his people you are viewing this footage and they're saying oh look see how smart he is see how good he is he even finds artifacts some of his people are so fooled it's unbelievable that they just put putin on this pedestal now other citizens within the russian federation do not do that some of them are smart and question him some of them are waking up to the fact that he's just ex kgb he does not really value the human race he's just he's just a little commie. It's just you know the Soviet Union part 2 with with President Putin and that's very unfortunate. But see here's the thing, who are we making our god? Who are we putting our trust in? You know, what's interesting is that Putin, you know, before he got sick and I don't think he's feeling very good right now. I don't know what's going on with him. But the last picture I saw of him, he looked very puffy, very swollen. So I don't know if he's on steroids and it's puffing him up or if he's on a different medication that's, you know, causing him to retain fluid, but he doesn't look very healthy like he looked really sick. Well, in years past, he would always have these photo shoots like where he's on on a horse and he's got his shirt off and he's just being the sex symbol to his people and it's just like, whoa, like that's the thing. He's making himself out to be like he's invincible. He's he's um he's super fertile. um he's young even at an old age you know all these things like he's putting on a show basically it's no different than what roman emperors used to do years and years and years ago roman emperors you know when they abandoned the republic of rome they tried to make themselves a god to their people and so they would have these temples built for them so every time they had a new leader they would have to build a new temple Well guess what the Egyptians did that too. They they started making their pharaohs a god and so they had all these different gods that they had to worship. 
you know, whatever you put your faith and trust in, it needs to be good and true. And anything outside of God is not good and true. It's technically pagan to do that. I mean, you may not be as blatant as what the Egyptians did or the Romans or you know some uh, religious cults are taking place in a lot of these villages these days, but here's the thing, whatever we replace God with is what we are worshiping and whatever we worship is what we are putting our our trust in. The only individual that we are supposed to put our trust in is God. And it says right here, for we are trusting him. It's talking about the Lord. Goes on to say, we trust his holy name. You know, the name of Jesus is above all names. And it is the only name that's above all names. So why would you go to anybody else? whose name has no power whatsoever on the face of this earth the name of Jesus will save you the name of Jesus will guide you the name of Jesus will protect you why would you lift up anything outside of God's holy temple our heavenly father has different names as well his names are just as important as Jesus's name because they are equal because we have the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. It's the triune God. We worship a God whose name is above all names on the face of this earth. He is Lord of Lords and King of Kings. And if you want to know the other names of God, it's called the 77 names of God, not the 99 names. That's Muslim stuff. We're talking about the Christian faith. We're talking about the names of God. So look up the 77 names of God and these are Hebrew names. These are biblical names. These aren't just names that, you know, we just make up on our own. These go back to the beginning of time. And the reason why Jesus's name is above all names is because he's God's holy son. Just think about all the power that is behind Jesus's name. He raised Lazarus from the dead. He healed the blind, he healed the deaf, he healed all those that were sick. Anyone that was paralyzed was able to walk. Think about that. We trust his holy name. goes on to say yes lord let your constant love surround us for our hopes are in you alone i love this yes lord we are affirming that he is our lord and that we know that what he says is true so it says yes lord let your constant love surround us what are you surrounded by are you surrounded by misery dread a lousy job a hateful spouse bad children a horrible church a negative preacher bitter betty friends gossipers liars cheats thieves negative people like what are you surrounded by because whatever you are surrounded by is what you're making a part of your life and it will either make you or break you see god wants to make us successful he wants us to be all that we were created to be bad and negative people 
bad and negative situations do not have our best intentions for us. They just don't. You know, there is an office I worked in years ago because I've worked in accounting for several years now. Um, but I worked in an accounting office and it was mostly women. And of course, that was absolute hell. Most of them were older than me by like 20 or 30 years, so they couldn't stand me because I was young, pretty, youthful, vibrant. I mean, just the the direct opposite of them. They were old hags, they were bitter betties, they were negative nancies. They had allowed their work to be the only thing they cared about. It was weird. And then they would try and sabotage my work if they could get away with it. And what's interesting is that they didn't view us as all on the same team. Women can be very competitive, more so than men. And I can't stand that about women. It drives me nuts sometimes. I'm just like, you know, can't we just get along? Can't we just appreciate each other for who we are on an individual basis? and stop trying to mind control other people. Women are great at controlling other people, you know, just by mind mind manipulation is what it's called. And they do it through emotions and tears and through lies. These women definitely lived up to all of that. They were not kind to me hardly ever. They would lie about me, they would lie to me. they were just horrible to me and it's like i'm just trying to do my job and do it well well that's what they hated about me among other things they hated the fact that i was really good at my job because it showed them up well what these women had done they had worked in the car industry i guess for like i don't know 10 20 30 years and they had gotten basically fat and lazy and so their work was not as good as it used to be in times past so then a newcomer shows up a young woman in her 20s I'm a go-getter I'm really good at what I do oh they hated me they yelled at me I mean they glared at me they would do anything they could to prevent me from you know using the copier using the printer I mean it was insane what these women did and what they didn't realize is that they were affecting the balancing of of our books their hatred for me was so awful And you know there's some people will say oh well they're just hormonal they have menopause let me tell you something we all have hormones in this world whether we are male or female hormones are not an excuse to be evil or wicked to another person and old age is not an excuse to be evil or wicked to somebody you know it's very difficult to respect your elders when they're evil cruel and wicked and i was nice to these women i prayed about them a lot And when it was quitting time, I couldn't wait to get out of there. I couldn't wait. They made it so horrible to work there because they did not have any love towards me whatsoever. And they also did not have any love towards Jesus Christ. Even though he loves them, and I have no doubt that they consider themselves to be Christians. You here we are in the Bible belt and in Atwell state. I have no doubt that they think that they're christian and that they're justified in how they behave see cuz there's a thing when someone doesn't respect you they don't love you because you're not you're never going to feel any love from them and i'm not talking about like valentines day someone get you chocolate or you know someone always gives you a hug i mean that that stuff is just fluff i could care less and i would never hug these women 
I mean, why hug a snake? I mean, it was a snake pit. And what was sad was that our employer, the the office manager or the accounting office manager, she tolerated it because guess what? She played favorites. She hated me as well. And it's like, dude, my work makes you look good. And then the owner, he was a sexist pig and he was a Iranian man. He came over to the United States in the 1970s. Who knows if it was even legal what he did coming over here. But a lot of foreigners get into the car business. You'd be surprised how many foreigners work in the car business and the shady stuff that they do. This man he 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 didn't want to pay women what they were worth because you know his culture discriminates against women. And he did that all the time at this car dealership. It was really quite sad. It's like, you know what? His workers would actually be happier and would do better work if they were treated better. And this guy would come in, yell, throw stuff, would throw temper tantrums, you know, huff up like a puffer fish. I mean, it it was for show, you know, for sure, but he was also at times really angry. He was a woman hater. But yet he was married and had a lot of kids. So he obviously had no problem having sex. See, that's a thief. Whenever someone hates something but yet they're willing to use it and abuse it, especially for their personal gain, that's a thief. That's a robber. But what's interesting is that the these these women haters They're mostly from other countries. Not surprising there because there's lack of human rights in Iran and Iraq and all those places over there. They think because in their mind they are above someone that is a female that they can treat them however they want. Well, is that surrounding someone with love? No. Not at all. And what these stupid women didn't realize is that he's just using them for cheap labor. It was horrible. These women did not value their worth. They did not know their self-worth. They didn't know that they it never dawned on them that they could go get a better job at a different place, make way more money. But here's the thing. They were so ingrained in their bitterness. It was a very negative work environment and because they were so ingrained in their bitterness, they didn't see any hope. The only thing they saw was victimhood. Cuz they just continuously lived this life of a victim. And these are some of the most unhealthy women I'd ever worked with. A lot of them were smokers. Some of them were dying from cancer. Um, they didn't take good care of themselves. They cursed like sailors. It was horrible. Um, they treated other women horribly, especially if they were younger than them. Now, does any of that sound like what God wants for us? No, it does not. Your know, women have the capability of being super kind and super sweet. We really do. But when women turn on each other, it's 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 horrible. 
it, it it's just horrible. And you see, there are so many men that are so stupid. And so I hope that more men listen to this podcast because you you guys need to wake up because you're morons. I'll say that again because you're morons. I don't know why men do this, but for some reason they think, well, let's just hire a bunch of women. They'll do the work for cheap labor, and they'll just get along because they're women. You know, they'll, they'll talk about makeup, they'll talk about their kids, but you know, we'll, we'll, we'll pay the men way more, pay the women less, and the women will be so busy talking about babies and eye makeup that they won't notice they're getting jipped. Technically, they're right. Those men are correct. Women can be very stupid, ignorant, and they can be pigs too. I worked with some pigs, both male and female. It's horrible. But see, here's the thing: as believers in Christ Jesus, we're not supposed to throw our pearls before swine. Doesn't matter what sex they are. You know, I was in a sorority house for like a year and a half. That's all it could take. It was hell. I hated it. It was horrible. I joined against my better judgment. I was like, "This isn't really for me, but I'll try it because everybody else is doing it." I'm not a sorority chick. Most of them, I, I didn't like. You know what? It was it was reciprocal. You know, they they didn't like me either. It just was not for me. I don't like that. I don't like being around women all the time. It feels like I'm living in a hen house. Because sometimes I'd come home from school, you know, to the sorority house from a class or whatever, I would just want to go to my room and study. I, I just would want to be alone and, and be quiet and just, you know, take a break from a very intense class or something. But I, you know, the moment I walked in the sorority house, it just sounded like a bunch of hens. It just sounded like just this constant hen picking. And you had different hens in the house, all of them trying to control everything, being competitive. What's interesting is that while they're hen picking at each other, not much is getting done. And guess what? Eventually, our house was closed because they couldn't keep numbers. I'm not surprised. They didn't know how to recruit. They didn't know how to rush. They didn't know how to be classy on Greek row. We had some trashy filth in our house. We just did. We had some girls in there that I don't know where they came from—from from the sewer, I mean, a drain. I don't know. Like, it was so weird. I'm like, I have never seen human life look like that. It was so weird. But here's the thing: those girls were choosing to act that way. They were not minors. They were age 18 or older. They were choosing to behave that way. And we had some girls that were sleeping around, um, like like guys. I mean, they were just so skanky. You know, I couldn't wait to leave that house. I couldn't wait to get out. It's like I don't understand this environment. But what's interesting is that we had some Bible thumpers in our house. I'm like, really? You're going to preach to me about the Bible? And what's interesting is that every sorority house and every frat house is founded 
almost always on holy scripture like our creed almost every fraternity house and sorority house has a creed that they sing our creed was based on uh joseph mary's husband and i just thought it was so hypocritical that we read this creed but yet we've got excuse me backbiting in our house we we've, we've got very awful behavior we've got a bunch of skanks in our house we've got weasels in our house I mean our house was not known for being great and that's probably why it was shut down. We were known as having um really fat girls. We are known as having a bunch of slobs. We weren't the skankiest house on campus for sure. We were not, but it was pretty high up there. I mean at least we weren't known for hazing. Like the girls were being, you know, the girls were so busy being mean to each other that they didn't even have time to be mean and hateful and they didn't have time to haze the new members which i guess that was nice <laughs> i guess they were too busy being horrible to each other i kid you not there was one time i came home from a class and it's like in the middle of the day you know, i'm coming home to study a little bit before i go to my next class or whatever i come home and so many of these girls would be in their pajamas in the middle of the day eating who knows what kind of food how much food in the in the one of the living rooms we had upstairs and they're just watching that TLC channel all the time and it and it's not for tender loving care that's for sure so they'd watch all these very emotional shows all all day long like 16 and pregnant or um like a baby story or i don't know what they, they would just watch all this emotional garbage all day long hours and hours and we're like It was really kind of odd because even the president the president of the house was asking, "Hey, are you guys going to class?" Because at that time, it was unheard of to do your classes online. So obviously, this probably ages me a little bit, but this was way back in the day when you didn't really have classes online. So you were expected to attend your classes. So you're probably thinking, "What is the point of all this?" Here's the thing. That sorority house, I did not feel love in that house. We had some Bible thumpers. We, you know, our creed was founded, you know, supposedly on the word of God. They didn't act like it. They didn't talk like it. There wasn't love in that house. There wasn't love at my previous place of employment from like years ago. This wasn't recent. This was years ago. And you know what? It was miserable. And they thought I was weird. That's what's so strange. They thought I was weird because I didn't act like them and I didn't talk like them. I thought very differently compared to them. I was like, "You know what? If you're going to stand on God's holy word, it needs to be obvious that you believe in God." But at this point, you know, they're just going through the 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 religiosity of the day. You know, they're just going through the motions. It's almost like the scribes and the Pharisees. You look how religious we are. Look how good we are. Look at all that we do. But yet they're horrible towards other people within the human race. See, we worship a father. We worship a god that values obedience, not sacrifice. See, a lot of these people that I've met over the years in regards to the groups I was just talking about, It was like, well, I'll do what I want on the weekend. 
I'll party Thursday, Friday, Saturday, rest on Sunday, go to church on Sunday, repent every Sunday. So if I repent every Sunday, that means I repent 52 times a year. You would think God would be thankful because I'm repenting at least on the weekend. That was their attitude. We had one girl, oh, she was disturbed. Oh man, she was going through rush and it's like please do not let her in this house. Please do not let her in this house. She actually had a football. And whenever she would sleep with a guy, she would have him sign the football. She had sex with all these guys. It was so sick and disturbing and I'm just like, you know, you know what I don't get is that when a woman sleeps around, she she she's a skank and I could use a different word, but basically a a, a harlot that doesn't get paid. Um, but when a guy sleeps around, he's a man. He's a ladies man. He knows what he's doing. He, you know, he he's getting a lot of experience. But it's not viewed the same as with women. It just isn't. Even to this day it's not. So basically, our culture here in America is not as different as we think. when compared to the Iranian culture with how they degrade and use women it's still just as bad and it's technically a human a human's rights violation like if you really value a human being you're not going to use them for sex if you want to have sex with someone you need to marry them you need to be in love with them you need to value them as a human being not as something to use one night and then throw away. I mean, I don't know how to describe this, but here's the thing. This verse at the end of it says, "Yes, Lord, let your constant love surround us." You know, if we had constant love around us and if we really focused on the love of Christ, if we really dived into God's holy word, Would we have people sleeping around like what's going on at colleges? No, we would not. Would we have aggressive work environments if people were focused on the word of God? No, we would not. Would older menopausal women be able to use the excuse of their hormones to be cruel to other women? Would that be acceptable if people were really focusing on the word of God? No, that would not be acceptable. They would be fired. They would be fired. But unfortunately, federal law protects these bitter betties and it shouldn't. Federal law protects certain people of an age group, basically older people. But see here's the thing, they have to be a good worker in order to be protected in that age bracket. But employers are so terrified of the federal government that they don't fire these bitter these bitter betties that are horrible to younger women and these bitter betties typically sabotage the work of these younger women i've been in that boat it was hell i hated it and i thought you know these women would not how to describe this okay here's how they get away with it or here's how they justify it in their pathetic puny emotional devil-minded brain, okay? Because they are being demonic when they're cruel to other people like this. Here's the thing. They think they're justified in being cruel to younger women. 
But yet if they had a daughter that was being treated the same way that I was being treated, they wouldn't like that. They'd be like, "Who is this older woman to treat you like that? She shouldn't be doing that." But here's the thing, they don't think that way about people outside their family, outside their stupid sick clans. And that's how these women think. They're so emotionally disturbed that they justify their evil, wicked, cruel behavior and because their behavior is not as extreme as a serial killer or a rapist or a pedophile, it's not seen as something to be concerned about. Well, see here's the thing. Evil is evil. Cruelty is cruelty. Hate is hate. It doesn't matter the severity of it. It's all bad. It's all bad. Because I could speak from experience on this. It is horrible being on the receiving end of someone that is so cruel and hateful and never takes responsibility for themselves and just use, you know, just uses their age and their hormones as an excuse or uses their their hysterectomy. uses a, a medical procedure as an excuse to be cruel to other people specifically younger women see th- that tells you that that they only care about themselves and they're willing to throw other people under the bus to save their own skin and what sucks is that now in the United States we've had this law for some time i don't know when it came to pass or when it was passed but Now there's a law that protects people both male and female in a certain age bracket. And it's like here's the thing, but they have to be a good employee in order to be protected in that age bracket. If someone's a bad employee, you need to fire them. Sometimes people don't learn until they until they fall to their knees. Or until they hit rock bottom. And here's the thing, there's nothing wrong with that. I'll say that again. There's nothing wrong with someone hitting rock bottom. they need to learn from their mistakes. And unfortunately, we we have a a society that that stupidly protects the oppressor. It protects the oppressor and punishes the victim. Let, let me put it this way, how many people do you know and they're usually women? How many people do you know that that have been fired for reporting harassment? How many people do you know that have been fired in a whistleblower situation where they were the where they were the whistleblower and they stood up for what was right? Happens all the time and it shouldn't. Because if we are putting God first, then we wouldn't treat each other like that. Let's look at this verse again because there's another meaning here. No wonder we are happy in the Lord. For we are trusting him. We trust his holy name. Yes, Lord, let your constant love surround us for our hopes are in you alone. Let me put a little spin on this. Instead of no wonder we are happy in the Lord, no wonder these women are bitter betties. For we are trusting him. 
these bitter betties they're just trusting themselves they're not trusting god we trust his holy name the only name they're trusting is their last name sometimes married women are very horrible and cruel to young single women and they don't think they deserve a good job they don't think they deserve really good pay because they're not married and they're not breeding they're not having kids yet See here in the Bible belt we have a huge problem with people equating salary with whether or not you're married and whether or not you have any babies. Having sex and popping out a kid has nothing to do with doing the job and doing it well. Like that's not a qualification. Isn't it interesting that women back in the 70s which are now baby boomers, the older generation these days, the women back in the 70s had to deal with not getting paid anywhere close to a man because they were expected to go home and have children. They weren't taken seriously because someone other than them was putting unrealistic expectations on them and trying to determine their life and their future. Now look at what's going on today. Now, if you're not married and if you're not having children, now you're not going to make good money. Where are the feminists on this? We're not hearing a peep out of feminists. Why aren't the baby boomers speaking up about this? Why aren't the feminists of the 1970s speaking up about this? Isn't it interesting? Sometimes these things come full circle. And here's the thing: if you are putting your trust in your marriage, your marriage is doomed. It's in for a big failure because here's the thing: your marriage doesn't belong to you; it belongs to God. If you are not putting God first, guess what? He's second, third, fourth, fifth, whatever on down the line. You're putting yourself first. You're making it seem like, well, you know, I'm the one that decided to get married. That's true. Congratulations. Pat yourself on the back. You have a brain. You walked down the aisle. You said I do. You know, whatever. Who cares? But here's the thing. Your your marriage is a covenant between you, your spouse, and God. It's a gift to us. It's not something that you and I created. Mankind did not create marriage. God did that. So whenever I work with these bitter betties that make it seem like they're better than me because they're married, I'm like, "Oh, contraire." "Oh, contraire." See, cuz here's the thing, that's marital status discrimination. No one likes to talk about it, but it happens all the time. You know, it's interesting, you know, and I can I can only speak from the Bible belt. a very conservative state and it gets so old. I mean, we're getting better. I mean, we are slowly becoming more modern. But um, I always find it interesting that it's like it's like women are feminist. I want to be able to have sex who I want to have sex with. I want to be able to have access to an abortion. They're all for bumping off the unborn until they get married. And then once they get married, they look down on single women and they used to be single. And then now that they're married, now they will allow a baby to be born. Now they will allow their pregnancy to go full term. See, that that is manipulating the holy covenant of God and using it for harm. Nowhere in the Bible 
does God say, I give you permission to be hateful? I give you permission to look down on women that haven't gotten pregnant yet. I give you permission to look down on someone that's not married yet. If anything, it's the opposite. God lifts up those that are oppressed. Well, if you are the oppressor, I got news for you. God's not impressed with your behavior. Never has been, never will be. Let's go on with this verse. It says, "Yes, Lord, let your constant love surround us." Notice it doesn't say, "Yes, Lord," or "Yes, bitter Betty." Let your constant bickering, let your constant shaming and blaming surround me at my job, at my desk. Yes, bitter Betty. Yes, negative Nancy. Let your gossip, your constant gossip, surround me at my desk. and ruin the lunch hour every single day in the lunchroom. It doesn't say that. It's the opposite. Yes, Lord, let your constant love surround us. God is love. He's not hate. You know, God didn't make women to be hens. He made them in his image. You know, we are women. We are beautiful in the eyes of God. So to act to act in a hateful manner is to not is to not be Christ-like and it also degrades us as one of God's creations I mean is it a compliment to be compared to a hen no it's not it really is not unless you're really good at laying eggs and even then do you want to be known for that not really goes on to say yes lord let your constant love surround us for our hopes are in you alone for our hopes are in you alone. No, it doesn't say we younger women put our hope in these bitter betties that can't have children anymore and they've had hysterectomies, but we put our hope in them even though they're mean to us. No, it doesn't say that. It says we put our hope in you alone, meaning God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. See this is why you should never how do I describe this? I've talked about this in a previous podcast where yes we have jobs, yes we have a boss, but they don't own you. They don't have power over you. When you show up to work, you are an equal to your boss. Because you should respect each other. So just because your boss is mean to you or maybe an employee is mean to you, You are not below them, but you're also not above them. You're supposed to rise above them in terms of behavior. You you rise above the malice, you know. But you're equals. Sometimes, or it's supposed to be, I should put this way, it it is the responsibility of the body of Christ to show the world how to properly behave. And let me tell you something, these bitter betties I worked with, they knew when they were out of line because they they would say, "Oh, well, Leslie's probably not going to like that." And it's like, "Yeah, that's true. I'm not." And the men knew it too. You know what's interesting is that sometimes really lost people they they can identify, they still know their actions are wrong. 
but they hate the person that's doing right. Why? Because they don't like being shown up. Even though the person that is doing right is not trying to show them up, it's that here's the thing, whenever you are trying to shine a light in the darkness, Sometimes people don't want you to know what they're doing and they're going to get very angry at you and they will try and do anything they can to snuff out your light. That's what those women were doing. And that's also what the Iranian man was doing. I mean, why he doesn't go back to his country and just make those women's lives a living hell, I don't know why, but then again I do know why. He can't make a living there like he can here in the United States. So he's just using the United States for money. You'd be surprised how many Iranians and how many Persians are very greedy, especially when they're Muslim. See, because they don't view Christians as citizens; they view them as slaves. That's why this man was so cruel to so many people he worked with here in Oklahoma. Why? Because the majority of us are Christians. So he gave himself permission to be mean and cruel to us. He gave himself permission to curse at us, but yet he never treated his wife like that. Because he didn't. Yes, she was below him because of her sex, but she she wasn't viewed as a slave. She wasn't viewed as a different race. See, all throughout this verse, well, actually, all throughout the Bible, nowhere does it give anyone permission to degrade somebody else, and especially when using God's holy name. No wonder we are happy in the Lord. You know what's interesting is that when I left that job, I was so happy. <laughs> I just felt a huge burden taken off my back as I was walking to my vehicle. I kid you not. I mean, I didn't have a job anymore, but I felt at peace. I, I actually start to feel joy and happiness come back into my life. The longer I worked there, the more miserable I became. For we are trusting him. Even though I didn't know what was going to happen in my life and my faith was pretty weak back then in terms like if I had to compare it to then to now, my faith was weak back then. And I didn't understand evil people. I still technically don't, but now they understand the enemy better. Now I understand why these bad people are so easily manipulated. It's because that they are living a life of evil but they think they're justified because they claim to be Christian and they think they're going to be saved. I mean, I don't know if they're going to heaven or not. I don't know and I don't care. But considering some of the things that they have done, I mean, it it would shock me if they went to heaven, but I mean, all I can say is that I can see why Jesus said to pray for our enemies. because it releases us from the anger it, it releases us from being a victim and we have the victory in Christ Jesus we trust his holy name you know what's interesting is that whenever these women would say my name it was almost like they were saying it as a curse and i didn't like my name for the longest time because i didn't like how my name was used well can you imagine when people misuse god's name what he feels about that We are supposed to trust his holy name. Not degrade his holy name and we are not supposed to degrade each other. 
Like we are never supposed to use someone else's name as a slur, which is what some of these people were doing to my name. And I was like, you know, when 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 that job ended, I realized, you know, if they're doing that to me, what are they doing to Jesus? Because if they don't love me, they don't love God. Because their hatred was not far from them. It was very close. Yes, Lord, let your constant love surround us. Walking to my car when that job ended, I felt the love of Christ upon me. I just felt I felt his love in my soul. Because that that employment, that place of work did everything it could to try and strip me of my hope, strip me of my happiness, try to get me to be miserable, try to get me to be stressed out. And you see here's the thing, these were Christians that thought that they were justified in their hateful behavior because you know what they thought? They thought, "Oh, she's Christian, she'll figure it out. She's Christian, she won't let this bad stuff get her down, so it doesn't matter what we do to her." How is that any different than what was said to Jesus when he was on the cross when they said, "Oh, he's holy. Let God save him if he's the if he's the son of God." What does it matter what we do to him? See, they were giving themselves permission to be evil. They felt justified. Can you imagine how evil that way of thinking is? But I've seen it. And at the time when I was way younger, I didn't understand what I was witnessing. I knew that these people were strange and some of them were very evil, but I didn't understand the correlation. They know what's right and wrong. They're choosing to do what's wrong to try and prove to me that they're right and I am wrong for being a good person. That's the point. Yes, Lord, let your constant love surround us, for our hopes are in you alone. You know, these people I worked with, they knew I believed in God. I mean, I wasn't like super religious or anything back then. but they they could tell that there was something different about me and because there was something different about me it angered them because they didn't want to have to acknowledge the life that they were living and that it wasn't holy so they did everything they could to try and strip me of my hope and guess what They ruined my career at that place of employment years and years and years ago. It ended for a reason. Nothing that I did. I mean, it was shocking how this place operated. And what's interesting, I'll close with this. For those that think that God doesn't care about the bad stuff that happens to you, I got news for you. He cares very much because whatever bad things happen to you, it's technically happening to God because we are his children. So just imagine You know, let's say you have a little child and someone picks on your child and is really cruel to your child. Don't you don't you go to bat for your child? Like don't you go, "Oh, whoa, 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 you're not treating my kid like that." I think we're going to have a come to Jesus moment right here and right now. You talking to my kid like that? You hitting my kid like that? I don't think so. Like there's a tone that goes with it. Just imagine how angry God is when someone mistreats one of his kids. You know, what's interesting is that our enemies do pay. And even though I didn't necessarily pray for my enemies, 
I was just so shocked at what all happened at this place, but also I had never worked at a car dealership before, so I didn't know how uh vulgar, how immoral it is. I mean, there was I'm surprised there weren't prostitutes there. There's drugs, there there's adultery, there's blasphemy. I mean, there's thievery, there's fraud, there's embezzlement. I mean, it it's just common at car dealerships. It's really sad. But anyway, the Lord never forgot my misery and he not, he never forgot how these people treated me. What's interesting is that car dealership went out of business. And it's been bought and sold a couple times since then. The Lord our God will always defend us. He will always defend us and he will always bring our bring our oppressors to justice and sometimes that means they will lose their place of business because it's operating out of cruelty and that's not okay with God. See, God gives people a chance to turn over a new leaf. He gives people a chance to repent, to apologize, even Muslims. Even Muslims, he he gives them a chance because guess what? Muslims are his children too. But this man, I'm guessing he did not repent, if I had to guess, just considering his attitude towards women and his attitude towards the United States was not always positive, which which is why I think we should be even more stricter about who we allow to be citizens here because it is an issue. But see, here's the thing. Just because this guy thought he could get away with this stuff and just because these women thought they could get away with that, that doesn't mean that they will get away with it. In fact, they did not. At some point, every single one of them lost their business, and at some point, every single one of them lost their job. God is our vindicator. God is the judge of all. God will guard you and protect you. You know, some people might think, well, why did he allow that stuff to happen? Here's the thing. God gives all of us free will. He gives all of us free will. We are not drones. We are not robots. And here's the thing. He was giving those people a chance to do what's right. And they continuously let him down. Continuously. I mean, if they, if they were cruel to me, they were probably cruel to any other young woman that came through there. It's like you gotta be kidding me. But you see, God does not reward bad behavior. You know, I understand that COVID-19 happened and some people lost their business. But you know what? Some people lost their business because they deserved it and it had nothing to do with COVID-19. It had nothing to do with profit loss. You know, just because someone lost their job and it happened to be during COVID-19, that doesn't mean that they lost it because of COVID-19 happening and and hitting the planet. Some people were going to lose their job anyway because they were not a good employee. I've met some people like this. They've tried to say, "Oh, yeah, it's because of COVID-19." I'm like, "No, it wasn't. You were a horrible, hateful person at your job." Your your employer didn't want you anymore because you were an awful employee and surprisingly your your employer did the right thing and fired you. So you can't claim that you lost your job because of COVID-19. And you know what's interesting is that whenever people lie like that and they make it seem like they lost their job because of something else but it was really their fault, they are in denial. 
and they are choosing not to change they are choosing not to amend their wrongs they're choosing not to repent they're choosing to not change their behavior and so therefore they're not choosing to become a better version of themselves i've met people like this i was shocked i was like you got to be kidding me but here's the thing they wanted the sympathy they wanted the sympathy that other people were getting when these other people actually did legitimately lose their job and or their business because of covid-19 It didn't dawn on me. It, it doesn't dawn on me that people are going to do evil behavior, even though I've seen it for years. That's not my first reaction or my first thought. I was shocked at how many people were using the COVID-19 pandemic excuse to justify them losing their job or losing their business or getting a loan or, or getting a bailout from the federal government. I think the federal government should investigate that stuff and call those people out on it. I really do because it they're lying. They're thieves. But no one calls these people out on it because it's like someone can use the excuse and have the tears and the story, you know, cry those crocodile tears as they say, put on a big show that oh, I'm the victim, I'm the victim. Oh, really? Let's ask the people you worked with and see if they thought you were the victim. Let's see if your victims thought that you were the victim. Like that's what I really want to say to some of these people. Needless to say, I just go, that's not true. What you just said is not true. You lost your job because you deserved it. And now you have every opportunity to have a better life, but you have to be willing to change. You have to be willing to become a better version of yourself, not the same or worse. See the reason why that car dealership went out of business and all those people ended up losing their jobs is because not a single one of them cared to change. Not a single one of them wanted to do what was right. They were not giving God a chance to help them in their misery. Cuz hateful people are miserable people. They don't know the goodness of God. They don't believe in the blessing of God. And whenever something goes right for them, they give themselves the opportunity or or the they they give themselves permission to look down on other people. That's not how we're called to live. Like whenever God blesses us, we are not supposed to use that as an excuse to look down on other people and say, "Oh, I'm blessed, you're not. There must be a reason. I'm better than you." No, we're equals in the eyes of God. God shows no partiality, meaning he doesn't practice favoritism and he doesn't practice nepotism. I personally think more people should try reading a dictionary and and read all these different words and realize, hey, some of these words apply to you. You know, it's funny is that sometimes whenever cuz I read dictionaries as a hobby, I I also read um I have a thesaurus that I have. I actually like to buy different versions, different editions. I prefer the older ones because I think they describe stuff better because a lot of the definitions these days they're so watered down. I mean, it's it's like it's like a watered down bowl of soup and you can't tell if it's potato soup or carrot soup. It's it's disgusting either way because it's so watered down because it's lost its meaning. But what's interesting is that whenever I read a really interesting word, what's what cracks me up 
is whenever it's like a a negative word like it has a negative definition to it a negative connotation and it will remind me of someone that I used to work with and I bust out laughing because then I think I'm surprised this person's photo isn't right by this word in the dictionary <laughs> that's what it makes me think of but see here's the thing at the time when this bad stuff was happening I was not laughing I was miserable I I I tell you straight up I was miserable. I did not have the joy of the Lord, and that's how I know that my faith was weak. See, cuz here in this verse, it says, "No wonder we are happy in the Lord." What I should have known is that all these attacks on me were were coming from the enemy. All these attacks were a setup. But I didn't understand that because I'd never come across such hateful evil people before. especially not on all fronts. Now that I'm older and I'm stronger in my faith, and that doesn't mean that, you know, I'm I'm old and wise, not by any means. I'm just saying that I can look back and go, you know what? If I had if I had had the joy of the Lord in my heart and in my soul, I would have never allowed those people to upset me. I would have never done that. I mean some days I went home miserable. I just felt like physically ill. Cuz I was not used to bad people. I wasn't prepared for that. But what's interesting is that the Bible it prepares us for any and every situation. So even if you're atheist or agnostic or maybe you're Buddhist or maybe you don't know what you are, that's okay. Read the Bible because it is a great manual of how to handle bad people. It's like the best HR manual on the planet. And if you work in HR, I especially think you need to read the Bible because I've met some HR people over the years that are just as evil as the people I've worked with in the past. And it's like, you know, it doesn't hurt to know the goodness of God. It does not hurt. It will bless anyone and everyone because because God's goodness is for all of us. God's love is for all of us. to turn it away uh, to turn it away from us and to you hold your hand up to God and say no I got this that's probably one of the dumbest things that we can do and I've done that in the past and it was dumb because I was raised I have no doubt that other people have been raised this way as, as well but here in America we are raised to pick ourselves up by our bootstraps well that's not putting God first is it that that is an american phrase that we have pull yourself up by your bootstraps but here's the thing Yes, we need to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps, but we need to put God first in that situation because it is God that gives us the strength to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. Because Christ in me, the hope of glory, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world, meaning I know for a fact I can't do it all on my own. I know that for a fact. And for the longest time that made me feel inferior, but actually I'm actually kind of relieved. I actually feel better because then it's like, okay, I know that I can't do it all. I can still do a lot, but I can't do it all. So then it takes that pressure off of me. It takes that burden off of me. But you know who can do it all? My Lord and my Savior. My Lord and my God. See back when I was having to work with these bad people and, and as I've said in the past I've in previous podcasts I've worked with a lot of people over the years 
a lot. Good, bad, ugly, whatever the case may be. I wish I had known when I was younger that God cared about my job because he cares about me. And that I don't work for the Iranian man. I never worked for him. I technically was working for God, but I didn't realize who my true employer was. See, because when when you know that you are working for God, even if you're not working as a minister or a reverend or a preacher, when you know that you ultimately are working for God, you're not going to be worried or upset about these idiots that you work with. Because anyone that's cruel, hateful to you is an idiot and a moron. They are intellectually incompetent, and most of the time it's because they choose to be intellectually incompetent. Most of them are not born that way. but they act that way because it's what they believe about other people. They think that everybody else is below them and they are above everybody else. Well, that's dumb. Well, I mean, let me give you an example. Hitler thought that way. Stalin thought that way. Mussolini thought that way. Putin thinks that way. Like do we really want to think like those people? I I would think not. See, knowing who we are in Christ Jesus doesn't give us permission to be cruel. It doesn't give us permission to utilize our power in a way that is evil. Everything that we have in our life, we are supposed to do good. Doesn't matter what job we have, doesn't matter what position we have. Doesn't matter how much we make. We are supposed to do good. And whoever we come in contact with, that's someone that God has blessed us with. Even if it's someone that is probably someone you would never invite into your home, which is very important, don't invite don't invite bad people into your house. Don't invite them into your life just because you come across somebody that doesn't mean oh it's a new friend no 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 you definitely need to question those things but see here's the thing God has us meet certain people for a definite reason and it's always for his greater glory and here's the thing just because it's for his greater glory that doesn't mean that he has forgotten about you it's because he has remembered you and he loves you because within God's glory is his love and mercy towards mankind That's how God interacts with us on a daily on a daily basis and at an intimate level with us. That's why God wants fellowship with us. That's why we dive into God's holy word because it's not my word or your word. It's God's holy word. It's heavenly inspired scripture. Basically, it is the word come down from heaven. for you and for me for mankind why because we were made in the image of god don't ever throw away your self-worth i don't care what kind of bad situation you're in the more difficult your situation is the more you should be reminding yourself of how much you are worth to god how much he loves you how good a person you are how talented you are and that you are going places and that nothing can stop you because if god be for you who dare be against you Who dare be against you? Recognize who you are in Christ Jesus. And if you have not given your life to Christ, you need to do so. And you also need to be baptized in the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. And say for example, you're just like me and you were baptized when you were younger, but you were forced to get baptized 
I think you need to draw a line in the sand and rededicate your life to Christ. And you, and you need to get rebaptized on your terms, not somebody else's terms, you know, not somebody else's theology, but it's your relationship, your one-on-one relationship with Jesus Christ. And also your heavenly Father and the Holy Spirit. All of that belongs to you. You know, you know, let's say for example, you show up to the church that I go to and we're having baptisms that day and you want to get baptized. You say, "Hey Leslie, will you baptize me?" "Yes, of course I'd love to. Let, let's do this." So we get in the giant pool and I baptize you, but yes, it's me physically baptizing you, but it's the heavenly Father that created you. loves you and it's Jesus Christ that died for you and he's the one that's technically bringing you up out of the water as a new human being. I'm just physically there. I'm there with you, I'm there for you, I'm praying for you and I'm helping you get saved. I'm helping you, you know, receive the Holy Spirit. I'm helping you draw that line in the sand because as brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus, that's what we're supposed to do for each other. We're supposed to help each other draw closer to Christ, not get further away. So even though I'm the one who's dunking you in the water and bringing you back up, it's technically Jesus saving you. It's Jesus that's baptizing you and it's him that is bringing you back to life. Because we are dead in our sins, but we are alive in Christ Jesus. And you'd be surprised, well maybe you won't be surprised, but you'd be surprised How many people come up out of the water and they are crying? They are happy. And it's like no wonder we are happy in the Lord. It's no wonder why because they're saved. You know, they are forgiven, they are renewed, they are healed, they are loved. All these blessings, all these gifts we technically have had since the beginning of time because that is the goodness of God. But the enemy tries to tell us, "Oh, these things are temporary. You won't have these. You don't deserve them." that is a lie straight out of the depths of hell. You see, when we know and when we trust God, we know when to doubt the enemy's lies. And we should always doubt him because he's the king of doubt and he's the king of lies. We should never believe what our enemies say about us. Like don't don't ever take advice from a critic. You know what I mean? Like why why go to your giant and expect them to give you a hug? You know what I mean? Don't go to your Goliath and say, "Oh, I'm having a problem." All he's going to do is squash you like a fly. Go to your heavenly Father. Give your life to Christ, repent of your sins, get baptized. It is one of the most beautiful things that you could ever do in your life. It it's like a sunset times a thousand or times a million or a billion. I mean, it's just so beautiful. but that beauty that we see at a sunset whenever you get baptized and you give your life to Christ that beauty is on the inside of you and you feel that joy like you've never felt it before because technically it is brand new to you why because you are made brand new in Christ Jesus hold on to your faith and hold fast to Jesus Christ hold fast to God don't let go Give God a chance to help you. Give God a chance to love you. Give him a chance to cherish you and also give him a chance to defend you. Man, I wish I'd done that when I was younger. 
know, God, you know what I find interesting is that God never criticizes us. He's not the critic. He's the one who loves us. The enemy is the critic. You know, the the negative Nancy, the bitter Betty. Whatever you need help with, you need to take that up with God and take it up with him immediately. Don't wait. Don't don't push that off to the side and say, "Oh, I'll come back to that. I'll deal with that when I'm ready." Guess what? If it's already on your mind, you're ready to deal with it. You're ready to handle it. But the way that you deal with it and the way you handle it is you go to God first. You know, if something's bothering you, there's a reason. You know, and God told me that. Like one time I was really irritated about something and something's bothering me. I was like, "What is going on?" And God spoke to my heart. He said, "The reason why you're irritated is because you're irritated." The reason why you're bothered is because you're bothered. Come to me with it. I was thinking, okay, why? You know, it's just it's just the natural human side, the human side of my brain thinking that way, right? He goes, "What irritates you irritates me. What bothers you bothers me. Come to me, I'll handle it, I'll get it done, and it won't be a problem anymore." It's like, "Oh, thank you. Got it. Here's everything I'm irritated about. Here's everything I'm bothered about." Here's everything that's ever made me cry. Here's everything that's ever made me angry. Here's everything that that has ever disappointed me. Here's everything that has made me think it's all over. Here's everything that's ever made me think I'm no good. Here's everything that has made me feel worthless, useless. And you know what's interesting? God listened He took all those things. He took all the things that I didn't like about myself and I didn't like what happened to me. And he reminded me of how much he loves me. And and you know he didn't say he didn't say oh you deserve that. He didn't say oh can't help you. He didn't say, "Oh, well, if it be my will, I'll help you." He didn't he, God has never said if to me, never. I truly believe, and I've said this before, the word if should be banned, forgotten from the English language. And I lift that up in prayer. Heavenly Father, I pray the word if is forever gone. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray amen because I can't stand that word. Because the word if causes people to doubt. And what I didn't realize was that Whatever irritates me, whatever bothers me, whatever saddens me, whatever angers me, you know, whatever distresses me distresses God. I didn't know that. I just thought that was the natural human existence. Well, guess what? It's not. It's not. Like we have the ability to feel anger, sadness, all these things, but you know, We have the natural ability to feel those things and to know those things are actually going on in our life, but see here's the thing. Our heavenly Father knows what is causing those emotions, those feelings, those reactions. See cuz everything has a cause and effect, right? You know, let's say for example, you 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 break an egg in a skillet and the heat's on, what's going to happen? Because of the heat, You're going to get a scrambled egg or an omelet, whatever the case may be. It's a cause and effect. Because you broke an egg in a skillet and you had the heat on, it cooked the egg, right? That's cause and effect. 
Sometimes whenever we have all this misery, doubt, dread, fear, we're forgetting that there's a cause and effect to that. So we're only focused on the result, right? I'm sad, I'm depressed, I'm fearful, I'm lost, I've lost a job. You know, whatever the case may be, we're focusing on the the here and now. God's focused on all of it. So he the way he looks at it is the way he conveyed it to me is that yes we have this burden that we're focusing on right now but what preceded that burden because there is a cause and effect the enemy was attacking us before we felt the full effect the enemy is the cause to the negative effect our heavenly father is the cause to the positive effect to the blessed effect to the loving effect that's what i'm trying to convey to you See, I didn't know that when I was younger. I, I didn't understand how emotions worked. I was just living my life. I was just like, well, yeah, I had a bad day. You know, can't wait for the next one. You know, I didn't know that I could actually go to God and find out why am I having a bad day and just give it to God. Be like, Lord, help me with this. I don't understand why my day is like this. But if we don't have open communication, open dialogue with the Heavenly Father, guess what? We are literally a lost soul we are literally a lost sheep on the side of a mountain and there's a hailstorm coming a hailstorm coming right at us full throttle and because we're lost and we're on the side of that mountain and we know there's a, a storm approaching very quickly we're living in that moment and we don't understand that Jesus can come to us instantly in that moment He can rebuke the storm, and he can pick us up off the side of that mountain and take us to to the grassy knoll, to, you know, to the to the most beautiful field that there is, and he will help us be with the rest of our flock. We don't have to stay trapped at the end result of a negative cause and effect, because God knows we are constantly being attacked by the enemy. So if you if you know that your enemy is going to attack you, why be surprised by it? And I know that may sound harsh, but once I woke up to that, I was like, oh, now I understand where these stupid thoughts are coming from, or these these stupid people, or the stuff that's not going right. You know, I realize it now. It's the enemy. It doesn't mean those people are exempt from their behavior. It doesn't mean that that they get off easily for that. Not by any means. They should still be held accountable. But when you understand that God is more powerful than some stupid little peon from hell, then you recognize that very quickly that you are going to be okay. And that's why the beginning of that verse says, "No wonder we are happy in the Lord." So regardless of what happens to us, we are supposed to be happy in the Lord. It should be no wonder we are happy in the Lord. No wonder I am blessed. No wonder I am prosperous. No wonder I am healed. No wonder I am loved. No wonder I am happy. Why? Because greater is He that is in me than He that is in the world. Christ Jesus, my Lord, my Savior, my Heavenly Father. You see, for the longest time, I didn't realize that Christians are supposed to be happy. I just thought we were supposed to be the most miserable, miserable people on the planet. That's really what I thought. I thought the only happiness I could ever have was not at church ever. 
I thought maybe it would be cartoons, movies, food, candy. I never thought of, you know, church or God as being fun or happy. I I never I wasn't raised that way. Never dawned on me. But now that I know that we are actually supposed to be happy in the Lord and it's not supposed to be random, it's not supposed to be rare, it's actually supposed to be every day, it's supposed to be consistent. I was just thinking, you got to be kidding me. I'm supposed to be happy? It was bizarre to me, folks. Bizarre. I you know, I don't know how else to describe it, but if ever you have been raised in a cult, you know what I'm talking about. You know that whenever you turn over that new leaf and you say no to a cult, you say no to the devil, you say no to bad people, you feel like a fish out of water. And you feel like you know, even though you know, you you still live in your country and you still live in your state and you still live in your town or city and you you still have your job, you feel like you're in a totally different world. I felt like I've been dropped off on a planet that we have never even discovered yet. That that's how far off I felt. Like that's how a fish out of water I felt. It was it was that extreme. Because I truly thought that misery basically was the life expectancy of a human being. And that is one of the biggest lies out of the depths of hell that there is. And a lot of lives are cut short because they believe the lies of the enemy and they allow their life to be so miserable and they allow their heart to be so broken that eventually it kills them. That's why it says in the Bible a merry heart doeth good to the body like medicine. Misery is actually very stressful on your heart, your lungs, your brain, your cells, your bones, your bone marrow. We're not even talking about the psychological effects of misery. Oh, you can also lose your hair. You can actually start going gray a lot earlier. If you're unhappy, you can actually develop wrinkles like 10, 20, 30 years sooner than you normally would because of being unhappy and stressed. If those are just the effects that we can see on the outside, just imagine what's going on on the inside. Because whatever is on the inside is what comes out. Whether it's happiness, hatred, anger, joy, misery, whatever it is, that's why we need to have the joy of the Lord in our soul. Because it will literally heal us and then we can have a better life. That's why th- these verses are are so fascinating to me. No wonder we are happy in the Lord, meaning it should be common. No wonder we are happy in the Lord, for we are trusting him. We trust his holy name. Yes, Lord, let your constant love surround us for our hopes are in you alone. Glory to God, that's beautiful. See, there is always hope in God's holy scripture. There is always hope. I will go ahead and end this podcast, but as usual until next time, I pray that you're happy, healthy and whole, that you have a wonderful day and a wonderful week. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. 
Smaller steps, waves transform the earth. 